I'll be reading the uh, entirety of chapter 3, 1 Samuel chapter 3, verses 1 through 21. So hear now God speak in his holy word. Now the young man, Samuel, was ministering to the Lord under Eli, and the word of the Lord was rare in those days. There was no frequent vision. At that time, Eli, whose eyesight had begun to grow dim so that he could not see, was lying down in his own place. The lamp of God had not yet gone out, and Samuel was lying down in the temple of the Lord where the ark of God was. Then the Lord called Samuel, and he said, Here I am. And he ran to Eli, and he said, Here I am, for you called me. But he said, I did not call. Lie down again. So he went and lay down. The Lord called again, Samuel. And Samuel arose and went to Eli and said, Here I am, for you called me. But he said, I did not call, my son. Lie down again. Now Samuel did not yet know the Lord, and the word of the Lord had not yet been revealed to him. And the Lord called Samuel again the third time, and he arose and went to Eli and said, Here I am, for you called me. Then Eli perceived that the Lord was calling the young man. Therefore Eli said to Samuel, Go lie down, and if he calls you, you shall say, Speak, Lord, for your servant hears. So Samuel went and lay down in his place. And the Lord came and stood, calling as at other times, Samuel, Samuel. And Samuel said, Speak, for your servant hears. And the Lord said to Samuel, Behold, I am about to do a thing in Israel at which the two ears of everyone who hears it will tingle. On that day I will fulfill against Eli all that I have spoken concerning his house from beginning to end, and I declare to him that I am about to punish his house forever for the iniquity that he knew because his sons were blaspheming God, and he did not restrain them. Therefore I swear to the house of Eli that the iniquity of Eli's house shall not be atoned, for by sacrifice or offering forever. Samuel lay until morning, then he opened the doors of the house of the Lord, and Samuel was afraid to tell the vision to Eli. But Eli said, called Samuel and said, Samuel, my son. And he said, Here I am. And Eli said, What was it that he told you? Do not hide it from me. May God do so to you, and more also, if you hide anything from me of all that he told you. So Samuel told him everything and hid nothing from him, and he said, It is the Lord. Let him do what seems good to him. And Samuel grew, and the Lord was with him, and let none of his words fall to the ground. And all Israel, from Dan to Beersheba, knew that Samuel was established as a prophet of the Lord. And the Lord appeared again at Shiloh, for the Lord revealed himself to Samuel at Shiloh by the word of the Lord. And so ends the reading of God's word. And what do we know about God's word? All scripture is breathed out by God and is profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness. Let's pray together. Lord, this is your word, and we pray that you would speak to us this morning through your word, through even the preaching of this word. Um, Father, my words are feeble and foolish, but yours are mighty and majestic. We need to hear your voice, so please, by your spirit, Help us to hear you. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. My dear friends, in this passage before us this morning, the Lord teaches us of the necessity of the Word of God and also of our difficulty in receiving it as the very Word of God. God's Word is living and active. It is powerful and it is the word that brings us from darkness to light, from ignorance to knowledge, and from confusion 
to clarity. And our passage begins with what seems to be just a simple setting that uh, tells us about the conditions in which the young Samuel and Eli find themselves, but I believe that it is something that is more indicative of the state of the relationship between God and his people. Verse 2 says, And the word of the Lord was rare in those days. There was no frequent vision. God, in the Old Testament, spoke to his people through his appointed prophets. And often that uh, the word of the Lord was considered to come in visions. So much so that uh, the prophets of old were called seers, which means those who see visions. And not accidentally, Eli, who is a priest and a judge, his eyesight has begun to grow dim so that he could not see. He was not a seer in a physical sense or even a spiritual sense because the word was rare. There was no frequent vision. And what's more, our author tells us that the lamp of God had not yet gone out. The lamp was one of the items that the Lord had prescribed for the tabernacle, and the priest was required to put the uh, to keep the lamp burning all night from evening until morning. And so, by this statement, we get a sense that this event that is about to take place is taking place just before dawn, in the midst of the darkness. And so, if there is no Word of the Lord is a time of darkness, and that's what we saw in the time of the judges, the time of the judges where people did what was right in their own eyes, because the Word of the Lord was rare. There was no frequent vision. The Lord still spoke. He preserved his word, but it was like a flickering candlelight, dim in the midst of the darkness. And yet, there is a, a hint of hope. Because dawn is coming, the darkness is ending, and the light of God's revelation is about to come to his people. And beloved, we we see throughout scripture that God calls, he refers to his word as light. Thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto our path. Beloved, apart from the light of God's word, We are in darkness, and that darkness is a place of ignorance, a place of a lack of knowledge. Apart from the light of God's word, we would never know God at all, let alone know him rightly. And We would never know what God requires of us, how we can live in a way that's pleasing to him. So we need the light of God's spoken word to come to us. And where there is a lack, when there is an ignorance and a lack of knowledge of God, it is a place of wickedness. Think of the sons of Eli that we spoke of last week. The sons of Eli were worthless men. They did not know the Lord. The Lord had not revealed himself to us. And yet, when we come to the dawn, we're in the midst of darkness and we're coming out of the light. The dawn is a place of confusion. We can see, we begin to see things, but we don't see them clearly. We don't perceive accurately. And so it is with God's word. When we come from the darkness of a lack of light, 
even when we begin to come into God's light as he speaks to us, it is a, it is a time of confusion as we're trying to discern things rightly, as we're trying to make sense of what we see. And that's what we see when we come to this, uh, this situation with Samuel. Samuel, who had grown up in the house of the Lord his entire life, he had ministered before the Lord. Our author says that he did not yet know the Lord because the Lord had not yet revealed himself to Samuel. And so Samuel is confused. He knew about the Lord, but he did not yet know the Lord. And students, this is a very important thing for you to understand and for your parents to understand, for all of us to understand, is that you are blessed by being raised in God's house and being, and being raised in a family that knows the Lord, that loves the Lord, that is teaching you what God's word is, teaching you of Christ, that you are part of the body of Christ where you're hearing the word preached, being taught in Sunday school and in youth group. My dear friends, salvation is not about knowing about the Bible or knowing about Jesus Christ. It is knowing Jesus. It is knowing Christ. Samuel knew about the Lord, but he did not yet know the Lord. And so there was confusion. We must, and for us to know him, he has to speak to us. We need to hear, and that needs to transform us. And that comes through the teaching of the word, the preaching of the word, the very given word of God. Now, in Samuel's case, it came in the form of a vision, and yet Samuel was confused. In the, in the midst of the darkness of the night, the Lord came and called Samuel. Samuel heard the voice, but he misunderstood the voice. Now, maybe the voice sounded a bit like Eli's, or maybe it was far off, and it just sounded like Eli, calling from a different room, was calling to Samuel whatever it was, Samuel got up from his bed, ran over to, to Eli, and he said, here I am, you called me. No, I did not call you, my son. I did not call you, go back to bed. So Samuel went back to bed and lay back down. Again, the Lord called him, e Samuel, again. Samuel called, here I am, and he ran over and said to Eli, you called me, here I am. Samuel said, no, or Eli said, no, my son, I did not call you, go back to sleep. Samuel went back to sleep. A third time, the Lord called, Samuel. Samuel again, here I am. He runs over to Eli. And this time, Eli perceives what's going on. Eli recognizes that this is the Lord. And so he gives instruction to Samuel. Samuel, my son, I did not call you. This is, this is the Lord. This is what you must do. Go back to sleep. If he calls you again, you must say, speak. Lord, for your servant hears. So, sure enough, Samuel went, laid back down, and sure enough, the Lord came. It says, he came and he stood. And he called him again, Samuel, Samuel. And this time, Samuel knew what to do. He said, speak, Lord, for your servant hears. And dear friends, I hope you can see in Samuel's reaction the difficulty that we naturally face in 
receiving God's word as it really is. God, in his wisdom, has chosen to speak to us through human instruments. And altogether, our natural instinct, when we hear the word of God, is to receive it naturally, as though it is merely something human. And this has been the case from, the, from of old. Uh, God spoke through the prophets. Not every word that was spoken through the prophets was of God, but God truly spoke through the prophets. And yet the people rejected the word from the prophets. And they persecuted the prophets themselves because they viewed, they, they did not accept that the word that was spoken, the message that was spoken, was from the Lord. Or we have been given God's breathed out word, his holy, inspired, infallible, inerrant word, which was given to us by the prophets and the apostles. Right there for us to read, to understand, to mark. And yet what is our natural inclination? The whole world has access to this glorious book. What is our natural inclination as we approach it? In an altogether human way. Oh, it's, uh, it's wonderful literature. It's a man-made collection of books. It's historic. It's, a, it's, a, it's an old book, but it's not, uh, not particularly relevant for me today. It, because it's of man, it's probably got lots of different errors in there, mistakes. It's ultimately powerless. Or consider the preaching of the word. God tells us that he speaks through the proclamation of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Our larger catechism says that the, the, the Holy Spirit makes the reading and especially the preaching of the word an effectual means of salvation. You know, how do we approach the preaching of the word? In a very altogether human way. Well, I like this preacher. Oh, I don't like this guy. This guy's engaging. This guy's a bit dry. Oh, I like his rhetorical flourish. I like his stories. Oh, I do not like the way that he communicates things. He's got distracting mannerisms. He's engaging. It's all about the man, not the message. And beloved, we have just a natural difficulty hearing God speak through the instruments that God has chosen for his word. Not every spoken word in, in, in the preaching of the, the word is of God, but God speaks through the preaching of the word. All scripture is God-breathed and is useful for us, and yet we struggle with hearing God's voice. And beloved, the reason why we struggle with these things is because we struggle to receive Jesus Christ the person of Jesus Christ, for who he truly is. Because Jesus Christ is the very word of God incarnate. Long ago, God spoke to our fathers through the prophets, but these last days, he has spoken to us through his son, through the human instrument of his son, Jesus Christ. And what happened when Jesus came? The very word of God incarnate was treated in a very human way. Ah, oh, there's just some guy from Nazareth. 
Isn't that Joseph's son? Isn't that Mary's son? Oh, he's a good teacher, rabbi. You're full of wisdom. Uh, Or he's a blasphemer. He calls himself the son of man. He's claiming to be God. He's a king. But is he truly, is it right for a man to be able to claim to be God? And yet, beloved, he is perfectly and truly man. And yet we know that Jesus Christ is also fully God. He is also God incarnate, the very word of God incarnate. He is, he is no mere man. God speaks to us clearly and perfectly, and everything, every word of God centers on him. It was the prophets who were proclaiming this son of God to come. It's, it's the, the word of God centers on the son of God, Jesus Christ, as our savior, as the perfect revelation of God's message to us. And the proclamation of the gospel, it is him that we proclaim. The gospel in Jesus Christ. And the spirit who spoke through the prophets, who inspired the writers of God's word, who dwelled within the Son of God and empowered his ministry, that spirit empowers, we want him to, empowers the proclamation of the word and gives us spiritual understanding so that we can hear God speak through the means that he has provided. So let me ask you, do you receive the word of God as it really is? The word of, from God himself. Can you hear God himself speaking to you? Or are you confused into thinking that it is simply the the words of man? And if it is, since it is the word of God, how ought that affect how we receive it and how we respond to it? Well, perhaps unwittingly, Samuel shows us how we should respond to the word of God. He's confused as to the source of the voice, and yet he responds with alertness and eagerness and submissiveness. He hears the voice and he says, here I am. And he runs to Eli. He, you don't get a sense that when he hears the voice, he just kind of lazily rolls out of bed and goes to first grab a cup of coffee and then shuffles over to Eli and speaks in typical teenagerese to say, what? No, he is eager. He hops out of bed. He runs over there and he says, here I am. You called me. He is eager. He's willing. He's ready and submissive. And he's patient and he's persistent. Three times the Lord calls him. Three times he misunderstands. Three times he runs over to Eli. Three times he's told that he misunderstood. And yet there's no sense that he's giving up or that he's discouraged or grumbling or frustrated. He's persistent. He's consistent. And and then when he finally does understand, 
the true source of the voice. There's an even greater sense of humility and submissiveness because he says, speak, Lord, for your servant hears. He's ready to hear it. And my dear friends, uh, we can hear God's word over and over again and we might struggle to really hear the Lord speaking to us. And if that's the situation that you find yourself in, where you struggle to hear the Lord speak to you, my exhortation to you would be, don't give up. Be persistent. Continue to listen. Continue to approach God's word. Ask him to give you ears to hear him speak to you and to speak to your heart. Even if you can't hear it clearly, he is speaking to you. And with each repeated word, he is adjusting you to his frequency. So continue to listen. And isn't it remarkable, friends, that the Lord keeps at it? He keeps speaking to Samuel three times. Or rather, he speaks to him, calls him three times where Samuel doesn't understand, and then he's gracious enough to call him one more time when he does understand. You know what, how, it, how true it is how our Lord said that our ears are dull to hear and our hearts are slow to understand. But isn't it so clear that our God speaks? He's willing to be patient and persistent so that we will hear him. Notice the, our, the Lord doesn't just speak into the air. He doesn't just say, well, I'm going to speak and whomever listens... He calls Samuel, Samuel, Samuel. Keeps calling Samuel, and he keeps at it with each time, persistent until his voice breaks through, and Samuel knows who's calling him. Samuel hears his voice. And beloved, your God will not stop speaking to you. He is calling to you directly so that you would hear his voice. Because when we hear his voice, we begin to understand. And when we understand, we know this God. And Jesus Christ said, this is eternal life that we know you, the one true and living God. And Jesus Christ whom you sent. And knowing him, it transforms us. So we can say, not just speak, Lord, but Abba, Father. Our salvation is dependent upon hearing us, upon hearing the Lord, and so our the Lord is persistent in speaking to us. And God doesn't weary of saying the same thing over and over again. I know some of us hate to hear the same thing over and over again, but God doesn't grow weary of telling us, calling us, speaking to us with his words of grace each and every week or each and every time he speaks. And you might wonder why, you know, here at Zion, we try to make it a point to speak the words of the gospel each and every Lord's Day. I mean, we only have so much time on Sunday morning, and shouldn't we focus on lots of different things? Aren't there a lot of different ways that we could... You know, there's a lot in God's Word. Why, why keep coming back to the gospel? 
I mean, we, we've all, most of us have heard the gospel most of our, our lives. Why, why keep saying it over and over again? I'll tell you why, beloved. Because I'm not ashamed of the gospel. Because it is the power of God unto salvation for all who believe. And you might say, well, yeah, but we all know, we all know the gospel. Do we? Do we know the gospel? Or do we just know about the gospel? Do we know the gospel? I would assert to you that all of our fears, all of our anxieties, all of our struggles against sin, our discouragements, our angers, our bitternesses, reveal our difficulty in knowing the gospel of Jesus Christ as our very own. The gospel must sink into our bones and sweat out of our pores. It's got to be on our head and on our heart and on our lips before we can say that we know it. And I'll tell you, I speak the gospel each and every Sunday for me because I need to hear that gospel at minimum once a week, if not every day. And every time that I seek to communicate it clearly, I begin to understand it a little bit better. And if I understand it, then I can, I can begin to put it into practice in my own life in the midst of every single interaction so that the word of Christ can dwell in me richly and I can live it out. And if that's the case for me, beloved, for the same reason, I say it for your sake. Because our God wants you to hear that gospel over and over. He wants you to know that gospel of Jesus Christ over and over, deep in your soul. But more than all that, friends, we speak of the gospel over and over because we must. The Apostle Paul said, Woe to me if I do not preach the gospel. Woe to me. When God gives us his word, when he speaks to us, when we hear his voice and it, and it transforms us, that is a message not just for us. His purpose is that we would share it, proclaim it, rejoice in it. And we see that in Samuel as well. Because the Lord spoke to Samuel and the Lord gave Samuel bad news. He said, Samuel... I am about to do something that will terrify the people of Israel. I am going to do every word that I said to the house of Eli. His sons blasphemed against me, and there will be no atonement for their sons, for his sons. I will surely do what I said I would do. And Samuel was afraid to do anything with that message. And we don't know why he was afraid. He could have been afraid because he just feared for Eli. Uh, 
That was bad news for Eli. Or he could have been afraid of Eli. I mean, he knew Eli his whole life. He may have been afraid of how Eli would respond to it. And yet Eli rightfully came and said, do not hide anything that the Lord said to you. May it be to you and more also if you do not tell me all that he said. And so Samuel spoke the word that the Lord had given to him, and Eli heard it, and he accepted it. He either submitted to it or he just resigned himself to recognizing that this is of the Lord. And beloved, you and I have been given bad news. We've been given very bad news. God's word says that all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. That all of us have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. And that the wages of sin is death. And that each one of us must stand before the judgment seat of Christ and bear and, and, and to have an account, to give account of what we have done in this life, whether good or bad, and that we will be judged in accordance with what we, will, we have done. But the wages of sin is death. We deserve God's wrath and his punishment and for all eternity. That is very bad news. But, beloved, we've also been given very good news because God loved the world so much to send his son, the very word of God, the, the, the embodiment of his loving revelation for us so that he could, he could be righteous for us, so that he could endure that death that we deserve for us. And whereas there was no atonement for the sons of Eli. The good news for us is that Jesus Christ came for us to make a full atonement and a perfect atonement for our sins so that we could be judged righteous. We could be judged holy and blameless in his sight so that now therefore there is no condemnation for us in, who are in Christ Jesus. And beloved, the, that is a message that is for us but also for us to share the whole truth, the bad news and the good news. And we're afraid. I mean, we're afraid that no one wants to hear the bad news and no one wants to hear the good news. We're, we're called to bear witness to this with our words, with our lives. And if we would do well as we think about our friends and our neighbors, and our co-workers, and our family members, to consider the words of Eli, where he said, may God do so to you, and more also if you hide anything from me of all that he has said to you. Because God's word is light. God's word is life. The most loving thing we can do is to share the bad news and the good news, and to say, Receive Jesus Christ. He's been given to you. Receive the light of his revelation. Walk in him and rejoice in him. And beloved, we do this as servants of the Most High God. Having heard God's voice, 
we become his servants and his children. And that's what Samuel says. He, he says, speak, Lord, for your servant hears. And we, Samuel was a servant who spoke. He pointed to others. He was, um, he wasn't, his ministry wasn't about himself. His ministry was about others. He was the, the great kingmaker of Israel. He was the one who anointed the very first king in Saul and the greatest king in David. And he was always pointing to those kings, even if he had this message for Eli. And beloved, our, our ministry is not about us either. Our ministry is about pointing to the king of kings and our savior, the very word of God incarnate, and saying, look at him, not about us, not look at us. And do you see, even though he was a mere servant, how the Lord blessed his ministry? There's three things in this last paragraph that, that we're told how the Lord blessed his ministry. First, Samuel grew. He grew. He, this, is, this is Samuel who did not know the Lord because the Lord had not revealed himself. Now, as Samuel is speaking this prophetic word, the Lord, the Lord is growing him in the knowledge of himself, but also that he grew in fellowship. He says, and the Lord was with him. The Lord was with him. He was drawing him close. He was attending to his ministry, and he blessed him by establishing the work of his hands, establishing his ministry. He said, let none of his words fall to the ground. All Israel knew that he was a prophet of the Lord, for the Lord continued to reveal himself. To Samuel. And wouldn't that be wonderful for us to be able to have that type of blessing, that we continue to grow in the knowledge of the Lord, that we continue to grow in fellowship with him, and that the Lord establishes the work of our hands as we seek to glorify him. And beloved, as we look at this passage and we try to think about this in our present context, there are Important questions I think we should ask. I'm going to ask three important questions. The first is, do you understand truly the necessity of God's word for you? The necessity of God's word for you. Scripture says, in him is light. Speaking of the word of God, your word is the light Apart from God's word, we are in darkness. But God has spoken to us that we would have light so that we would see the truth, so that we would be able to come into the light and grab hold of Jesus Christ. And we would know him. And as he said, this is eternal life, that we know you, the one true God. And Jesus Christ, whom you sent. And God speaks so that we will hear him, so that we will know him, so that we will have salvation. It's necessary for us. And it is through his word that he transforms us. God's word is powerful and effective, he says. Psalm 29, if you're looking for a good Lord's Day devotional for your family today, I would encourage you to read together Psalm 29. Psalm 29 speaks of the power and the majesty of God's word. 
And here's some of what he says. The voice of the Lord is over the waters. The, the God of glory thunders the Lord over many waters. The voice of the Lord is powerful. The voice of the Lord is full of majesty. The voice of the Lord flashes forth flames of fire. The voice of the Lord shakes the wilderness. The, the Lord shakes the wilderness of Kadesh. The voice of the Lord makes the deer give birth and strips the forest bare. And all in his temple cry, glory. The voice of the Lord created all things. The voice of the Lord causes the animals to give birth. The voice of the Lord calls, come forth from the grave. What was dead becomes alive. And beloved, when God speaks to you and you hear his voice, you are born of the Spirit. You are new creation in Christ Jesus. You are given life in Jesus Christ. You are brought from darkness to light. And you bow down and worship and cry, glory. But God must speak, and we must hear it. So we need to ask, Word said that in those days, the word of the Lord was rare. and There was no frequent vision. We must ask, is the word rare in our day and age? And it certainly seems that way if we look around. It's not what we expect. But beloved, we must say a resounding no. A resounding no. Because... In the former days, God spoke to the prophets through the prophets, but in these last days, He has spoken to us in His Son. Jesus Christ is the fullness, the complete, the final word for us. He is, His divine power has given us everything we need for life and godliness, which means God has revealed to us everything we need to know about Himself, what it is for salvation, and how we are to live. For him, He speaks to us through his word. He th speaks to us through the proclamation of the gospel. And his spirit works in us. Yes, um, throughout the, the course of history, God has given us his written word. And in his providence, he has preserved his word so that it is pure and unstained from generation to generation. God speaks through the proclamation of the gospel and he has preserved his church preserved sound doctrine in accordance with his written word from generation to generation. And beloved, his word is abundant and complete. And praise God, we have access to it. We can study it. We can hear. We can listen. We can put ourselves under his word. And he still speaks through his people through human instruments. We need, we have lots of churches, we have lots of preachers, perhaps we need more preachers that are preaching the word of God or preaching the gospel of Jesus Christ. That's something that we ought to pray for. The Lord would raise up men who are preaching the pure and unstained gospel of Jesus Christ with boldness and clarity and power with a demonstration of the Spirit and with power. 
But we also need, we have a lot of Christians. And we need Christians, people who bear the name of Christ, who hear that word and allow it to transform them and dwell richly within them so that they are bearing witness with their lives and with their words. We need more who are bold to make that word evident and to shine that light in the midst of the world. And God must do this work in his people. He must speak. So we must ask him for these things. And it comes through us as he transforms us by that word. So I guess the third and final question is is this. Have you truly heard God's voice speaking to you through the means that he has appointed Or are you still confused, treating the words of God as the very words of man? And if you're still, if you think there's more confusion than clarity, that there's more struggle than faith, let me suggest to you these three things. First, are you listening? Are you listening? Are you? God speaks through His Word. And he speaks through the preaching of the word. Are you, are you attending to God's word? Are you putting yourself in a place where you can hear God speak to you through his word? Are you coming to worship expectantly to put yourself under, to eagerly and attentively listen for the Lord to speak? Are you praying for the, your time in the word? Are you praying for the preacher to preach in a way that is able to Connect. Are you praying for an open ear? Pray for alertness and patience and perseverance in these things. Put yourself in that place. But secondly, are you listening in order to hear God speak to you? Samuel gives us a very simple prayer, but I think it's a helpful prayer. He just says, speak, Lord, for your servant hears. Speak. For your servant hears. Approach God's word and the preaching of the word in order to hear God speak through it. Listen, ask him to let you have an open ear to receive his word through these means. And finally, when you listen, since this is God's word and God himself is speaking to you, listen with an intent to submit yourself to it. Let the word from God inform you and transform you. Don't come ready to argue with it or dismiss it or to confuse yourself with some kind of unnecessary sidetrack. What is God saying to you? How is he approaching you? How does he want to transform you or inform you from his word? Receive it with meekness, with humility, with a heart to submit to it and let it dwell within you and to change you so that you can speak it. Because, beloved brothers and sisters, God does speak to you. He is speaking to you. He loves you and he desires for you to hear his voice for your salvation to transform you into the image of his son. So be eager and diligent 
to hear him, to listen to him, to submit yourself to him, to let his word dwell in you richly, to, to live it out and to proclaim it. Because in this word, beloved, is life. And this life is the light of man. Let's pray. Lord, thank you that you are a God who speaks. We do ask you to forgive us for being slow of hearing. Thank you that you're so persistent. Thank you that you're so patient. Thank you that you give us, you are the one that gives us ears to hear. And I pray that you would open our ears to receive your word. We pray that you would help us to remove all distractions, uh, the distractions which come from within our own hearts. Help us to hear you speak and let that gospel transform us from the inside out. Oh Lord, we thank you for your love for us. We pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen.